Good to see you this morning. Um, things look a little bit different today than you might have expected coming in. They're different for us this morning. Uh, we had, uh, um, due to vacations and uh, some COVID protocol related issues, uh, we've had uh, uh, some of our folks are missing today for, for some of those reasons. And, and uh, so, um, uh, so I'm going to, I got called into service as a, a pinch hitter today, uh, but glad to have the opportunity to uh, once again open God's word with you. For those that don't know me, my name is Jim Korth. I'm one of the uh, congregational elders here at uh, Provision Church, and uh, uh, we're so glad that you're here to worship with us. We're glad to see our college students uh, making their way back. So several of our Wingate students are are, are back, and uh, we appreciate you being with us, and and uh, do look forward to uh, God's blessing on His His Word to our lives today. Several years ago, there was a uh, public service announcement that aired on television. Uh, it featured a father and a son, and everything the father did, the son copied. Uh, the father's painting the house, and the son's got a little paintbrush. He's down at the side, you know, painting the, ha- the house as well. And, you know, the father's driving the car, and the, the kid is, uh, has a little steering, toy steering wheel, and he's kind of imitating dad doing that. And they're going for a walk. Dad picks up a stone and, you know, tosses it into the woods, and the, the little kid does, this, does the same thing. And eventually they both sit down under a tree to rest, and dad lights up a cigarette. Now, all through the process, every time they show a scene, they say, like father, like son, like father, like son, like father, like son. And then dad lights up the cigarette, and the kid picks up the pack of cigarettes, and they say, like father, like son. (laughs) Some of you are old enough to remember that public service announcement, that anti-smoking announcement that was going around years ago. Uh, But it certainly stands out for us as as a reminder that uh, we are people of influence, especially fathers upon their children. And it really matters what you follow out there and what direction you are going when it comes to who you should be imitating. And in 3 John verse 11, we read these words. It says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And we think about the Christian life, it's often uh, referred to as being a, a life of, uh, of fellowship as we get together with other believers and talk and share with one another, and, and that's an important part of our, of our lives as Christians. Uh, but there's another term that I like to think of when it comes to the Christian life, and that is followship, okay? <laughs> followship. Uh, it's a matter of who we are following out there. Now, ultimately, we're called to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he is the, 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 the God-man who came to save us from our sins and who lived out a life as a, in, in a perfect way. And we are to imitate him in many ways, although we have limitations because we are merely human for that. We're also told to imitate other people. Uh, as Paul once said, wrote, uh, he said, you know, imi- uh, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's always going to go from generation to generation. And the idea of fellowship is an important one for us to, to think about. And in the, the book of 3 John, where we're going to be this morning, uh, it gives us some examples right away in the text about who we should be imitating and who we should not be imitating. Again, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. And so we find those things... Oh, not all by mistake. <laughs> so we find those things uh, uh, unfold for us. So we are taking a break from our Psalms series. So if you have the outline for this morning that you picked up out there, turn to the other side that's blank. Okay. The, uh, turn to the other side that's blank. I can hold that. Go on. All right. Hold it. 
I can walk around that way. <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, uh, when it comes to the, uh, um, our summer psalm series, we're taking a little break from that because of uh, kind of last-minute areas there. We'll pick that up. If you turn the other side of that sheet, it's blank, so you can fill in. <laughs> you can create your own notes for that going forward there. But we're going to, uh, to examine Third John, and, uh, and it really revolves around three characters that we're going to focus on within the text. And as we do so, um, uh, I'm going to first read through the entire text, uh, get a feel for it. It's a great little book. It's only 15 verses, just takes a minute or two to read through. Uh, but yet it packs a very powerful punch. So, um, so follow along with me as I read. I'm reading from the, 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 uh, the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. It says, The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you were walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in truth. Dear friend or beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified of your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. And may God add his blessing to the reading and teaching of his word to our hearts and minds today. Uh, so as we read through this, this book, we're going to focus on the three characters that are mentioned, Gaius, um, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. And I have some qualifying names that I use to, to describe them. Uh, first of all, Gaius is gracious Gaius because of his testimony of the hospitality that he shares with others. Diotrephes is dominating Diotrephes. <laughs> uh, he loves to have the preeminence, the first place about things. And then we have Demetrius, brief mention, but he's the dependable one, dependable Demetrius. And in the midst of all this, we have some examples of who we should imitate and who we should avoid. So as the the letter begins, the first few verses, we have a a general introduction. It comes from the elder. Now, as in in common writing of the time, when people are writing letters, they, unlike what we do, we usually sign our name at the bottom of the letter, right? We put it at the end. Uh, It was common then to begin with who the author was. So when you read all of Paul's epistles, all Paul's letters, the first word in all of them is the word Paul. That's a good trivia question to ask somebody. (laughs) What's the first word of all of Paul's epistles? Paul, okay? Uh, So not surprising here that it says the elder, right? Now, it doesn't say John, but all of church history has testified to the fact that that, uh, John is the author of this book, the, the, the elder. And we're talking about John, the apostle, disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the first followers, one of the 12, the same one who authored the gospel of John, as well as First, Second, and Third John, and the Book of Revelation, and I always thought John's an interesting character in that um, 
Obviously, he's, a, he's part of the inner circle that Jesus had. Peter, James, and John were caught in the disciples were, were very close to him and, and, and ministered with him very, very tightly. Um, and then when you read through the book of Acts, you don't read a whole lot about John, right? Uh, in fact, after Acts chapter 4, he's never mentioned. Uh, it focuses on Peter and his ministry, and then it shifts to Paul and his ministry. John isn't mentioned at all, isn't referenced at all. And then later on, we start to see these, the gospel and the letters of John that, that come along. And it reminds me that there's a lot of untold stories of the, of the early church that we don't have. That God has chosen to give us the book of Acts and, and outline for us some specific things there. But there are so many other acts and deeds and works that were done by, by believers who were going about the, the business of spreading the gospel at that time. It'll be an amazing thing for us to get to, to glory and be able to talk with them and find out. So what all, and what all was going on here? What, what didn't we hear about? Just because there was only so much God could give us. But he gave was what we needed to have in the book of Acts. But John kind of doesn't really have a lot of preeminence on the scene until much later. And it's believed that John eventually settled somewhere in Asia Minor and ministered to those churches and probably especially picked up a lot of of, of continued ministry activity after the deaths of Peter and Paul later on in the in the early 60s when in the mid 60s when they when they died. So um so that's who who the author is. It's John and when you read through the language if you read through through the gospel of John, first and second John, you'll find a lot of the the language, the terminology, the things that that John likes to say get repeated over and over again. And he's writing to his dear friend Gaius who he loves in the truth and notice in those first four verses how many times the truth is mentioned. Um, and so he opens up with a, a, what relationship did he have with him? Well, we're not completely sure. There are five different men identified as Gaius in the New Testament. Uh, but from reading about each of them, uh, they sound like five different individuals. Gaius was a very common name in the Roman Empire. Uh, so when we look at all the different references to a Gaius uh, in, in, the, um, in the Bible, um, the context all speaks to them in, in, in different places. are probably unrelated. So other than what we have in Third John, we probably don't know a whole lot about this individual. John does say how much he is, is glad to hear that his children are walking in truth. So it may be that Gaius was a, con- a convert of John. It may be somebody that John had led to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, it could also be just that, you know, John at this point in life treats everybody <laughs> as his children uh, that he's ministering to. Uh, but it seems that to be the case. And you'll find that, um, that it opens up with this prayer. It says, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well, or as other translations would put it, uh, as, your whole, as your soul prospers. Now, let me just mention this. This verse is one of the only verses in the New Testament that prosperity preachers use to promote their gospel of prosperity. <laughs> uh, you'll notice if you listen to the gospel, you know, health and wealth preachers and emphasize that, they love to quote the Old Testament because there's so many Old Testament promises to national Israel that affect that, that come out that way. <clears throat> and I was asked recently in a discussion board, you know, what New Testament verses are there, you know, about that? And this is about the only one that's there. But even that is pressing the matter too far. Some would imply that if that's the prayer that John has, then it's God's will that we prosper and be in good health. Well, you know what? This terminology was common in letters of the time, just like it is now. Hey, I hope you're doing well. (laughs) I hope everything's going good. I hear things are going well for you. I hope that keeps up. So I think reading that into it is a little too much that's there. Certainly, we can pray for one another to to prosper, to be in uh, good health, and that their life is going well. Uh, But uh, let's not go too far to say, well, this must mean this, because um, if you take a look at the book of Hebrews, for example, Hebrews chapter 11, um, all you got to do is read through that and realize that you know, the first half of the book of Hebrews, chapter of Hebrews 11, says a lot of great things about 
health and prosperity and all good things that were happening to followers of, G- of, of the Lord, the faithful people. But then the second half, suddenly things change. That those, <laughs> the story suddenly is not so much the successes and people getting their children back from the dead and all this kind of stuff. Suddenly it's, others were sawn in two. Others were attached to uh, animal skins. <laughs> uh, others suffered great persecution. So that happens, you know. God has a different plan for everybody and, and, and something unfolding in their lives. And so uh, in many cases, we're blessed to experience that, that health and that prosperity that God chooses to give that to us for a season. Other times, life has some other challenges, but God is working all that together to help us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And, and, and he goes on and talks about the fact that he was glad, in verse 3, when fellow believers came and testified that of his fidelity to the truth. He's walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And he mentioned truth back in verse 1 as well. So when we read this, he, he reckon, we recognize that there are a lot of travelers going around. Think of that context of the time. There are a lot of itinerant ministers. There's a lot of movement in the Roman Empire. You have a lot of believers that are moving from place to place, stopping in at the house churches, uh, sharing with one another, and getting back to each other and reporting on what's going on. And so some have come to John and said, yeah, we were, we were there. We saw Gaius. He's doing really great, you know. And he loves the Lord. He's walking faithful to the Lord. Um, and it's important for us to realize that we need to be dedicated to walking in the truth. I'm mindful that it was John in John's gospel that gave us uh, the words of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so we could, in a sense, see that he was glad when they said that they testified their fidelity to the truth with a capital T, right? Uh, it could be the truth of, of who Jesus is and staying close and walking with him. But in his introduction, in his, in his greeting here at the beginning, <clears throat> he celebrates the fact that Gaius is doing well and is excited about what's going on in his life. And then in verse 5, we begin to take a look at um, the graciousness of Gaius as he's commended for his hospitality. He says, Dear friend or beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified your love before the church. <clears throat> you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans or Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. Uh, in, the, in the ancient world and even through today, really, um, hospitality has been a crucial part of life. Uh, hospitality just in general for anybody. People were traveling. People didn't have a, a lot going for them, and they had to depend upon uh, the hospitality of friends, family, and strangers when they went around. And for the church, for Christians, it took on a whole new element because now we were not just kind of traveling strangers that you should show hospitality to in general. You now were, were, were fellow heirs, uh, co-laborers in Christ. It, you had a common bond. You were family for all that. And so it was important for them to extend that graciousness, extend that family. And he commends them and says, listen, whatever you're doing for them, keep it up. <laughs> That's kind of a strange phrase. I'm not sure what you're doing, but everybody that comes back says, you're doing a great job, uh, that you're very hospitable, you take care of them, you support all their needs, and they're testifying of all that love, and that you send them out in a, in a worthy manner. Notice that these are people who have gone out for the sake of the name, and the name is Jesus, right? For the sake of, of glorifying the name of Christ, of spreading the name about the one, uh, the, the, the only name uh, given among men by which we can be saved. And so they're being faithful to that. And he says, you ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. There's a principle here that comes not only from showing hospitality that way, but giving support to people, and, and as a result, you are a co-worker with them in what they're doing. The bottom line is we can't all be um, 
preachers. We can't all be missionaries. We can't all do those things. We have roles that we play along the way. But what we can do is we can be supportive of those who are going forth. And when we are supportive of those who are going forth, then we are participants with them in a special way. This, uh, this story reminds me of, um, this, this text reminds me of the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And in First uh, Samuel chapter 30, we read about David. And at the time, David is on the, the run from Saul. He's not been anointed as king just yet. Um, and David has amassed an army around him that's kind of traveling out there. And he, has, he goes off and does some battle against the Philistines. And while they're away from the town that they've settled in, the town of Ziklag, the um, uh, Amalekites come along. They raid the town. They take everybody away. They, they, they take hostages, the wives, the children, uh, and uh, the animals. They, they take all that away. They burn the city. And when David and his men come back from, from fighting with the Philistines, they find their city has been burned, and they've been all these people taken away. Say, well, we've got to go recapture our family. We've got to go back and get them. So they, they head out to go to battle the Amalekites. And along the way, of the 600 men that David has, a couple of them, of them are really exhausted. And they get to the point of saying, okay, you guys are exhausted. You stay here. The other rest of us will go. And so the 400 go off. And they catch up with the Amalekites. They raid the Amalekites. They bring back not only all the stuff the Amalekites take, but also take some of the Amalekite stuff as well as they, as they come back. And, and we're told that when they came back to camp, the 400 said, you know what? These 200 that quit on us, that didn't go with us, they can have their wives and their children, and then they should get out of here. But they don't get anything else. And you can see why they would feel that way about the situation. But in 1 Samuel 30, verse 23, it says, But David said, My brothers, you must not do this with what the Lord has given us. It wasn't us. It was the Lord. He protected us and handed us over to the raiders who came against us. Who can agree with your proposal? The share of the one who goes into battle is to be the same as the share of the one who remains with the supplies. They will share equally. And it has been so... From that day forward, David established his policy as a law and an ordinance for Israel, and it still continues today. And today was when this was written, not today, today. <laughs> but, uh, but you notice that, that what happens, he says, listen, we've got, you know, this, this, these people who stayed back with the supplies, you know, they're, they're a part of this as well. They have the opportunity, the privilege of, of experience that, that same blessing. And when we come into 3 John, he says, listen, Verse um, uh, 8, therefore we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. By supporting them and encouraging them, you become co-workers with that. So when you are supporting Provision Church and you are supporting uh, a staff, supporting our our pastoral staff, when you are giving to support our our residents, uh, you have a part in that ministry, even if you're not the one doing the the, the preaching or doing any some of the, the direct ministry areas, you know, you have a part in that success. Other things that you might support out there are important, and you have a, a, and there's value to all of that. There's a few ministries that, that we support um, individually. Uh, one of them, uh, I serve on the, the board of uh, trustees of the, the Saints Prison Ministry, a ministry that I, I was a part of starting 30-plus years ago. And uh, it's a, prison, a sports prison ministry. They go into prisons, play ball with the inmates, and bring the gospel. Um, and uh, so it's a, a pretty dynamic ministry. Shut down last year because <laughs> the prisons were closed. 
You know what? The prisons have reopened, and they're desperate for people to come in and, and do, do their thing. And, and just last weekend, uh, now, I used to be a, a part of it. I used to be a player, you know. Uh, I used to, to do all those things. Now I, I do support it. And it was exciting. Last weekend, we had a, a team that went into, um, I think it was Ohio or West Virginia, somewhere over that way, um, went in for the weekend, preached the gospel, saw, I think, 67 inmates make professions of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you know. Uh, a few hundred had, had heard the gospel. And so that happens every week weekend, you know, whenever the saints are getting in there. So it's exciting. And, you know, I really miss being there when I'm in there preaching or, or teaching or talking to the inmates. I miss that part of things very much so. But I also can look back and say now that because I am a contributor to that ministry, I give support to that ministry, that, you know, some of that I can celebrate as if, uh, as a co-worker with that, you know. And so I just encourage you as you think about who you are, are supporting or, you know, or, or when we give, we, we need to make sure we take care of our local church because that's the, the, the means through which God is, is working in our local communities. But if you have missionaries, ministries you want to support, you know, support them and, uh, and, and really invest yourself in what they're doing and realize that there's a reward in that for you right? So not only are we showing hospitality face-to-face by welcoming people in and taking care of them, but as we give, as we support, you can rejoice in that. And Gaius is commended for his hospitality, for his giving, uh, for being a co-worker because of what he's doing for them. And so when it says, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good, Gaius is one that we need to to, uh, to, uh, uh, imitate. Gaius is one we need to be following. Gaius is one we need to be, be uh, emulating and going after. And so when you take a look at your life, and you might sometimes feel like, like Gaius might have felt at times, I'm not really doing much, you know. All I'm doing is, you know, welcoming people in, feeding them, you know, giving them a place to stay, giving them a, a gift when they go on their way. You know, I wish I could be out there doing the other stuff. But you know what? His ministry is just as valuable as the frontline ministries were. So wherever your calling may be, you have an important part to play in that process. So, so we find Gaius is, uh, is, is uh, a gracious uh, character that we should emulate. And then the letter shifts quite a bit. It says, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, dominating Diotrephes, who loves to have first place, the preeminence among them, does not receive our authority. That's one of those real amazing lines in the Bible to think about it. This is John, the apostle, right? <laughs> this is part of the inner circle of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is part of the, the, the first to go to the tomb and witness this. This is the guy who was the first part of the, 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 the gospel going forth. And, and what happens? Someone, along some somebody who says, eh, John doesn't have any authority. That's just really crazy, isn't it? Nevertheless, that's the attitude that Demetrius has. And his problem is he likes to have first place. He likes to be, think that, the, that he's at the top. No one else has any authority but him. And we don't know what his role was. He may have been an elder. He might have been the lead elder in the church where, where Gaius was. Apparently, he had a lot of authority, though, because we find that, um, um, you know, John says, you know, when I come, <laughs> we're going to talk to him about this work he's doing. He's slandering us. He's maliciously speaking out against John, the apostle, uh, uh, let alone the other believers. And notice he says, not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, what is Gaius doing? Gaius is welcoming those believers, right? He, he, but he refuses to welcome them when they come. And he says he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. So if you don't accept them, he's going to kick you out. So if Gaius is part of that church, he runs the risk of being, you know, accommodating to those guests uh, by, by getting on the bad side of Demetrius. And, and it's, it's really a ridiculous and a crazy thing to be doing out there. Um, nevertheless, we see that he has that, that desire to be first, that desire to be number one. And he is really 
Ultimately, I think he's a bit insecure. He's worried about who else might be out there that can do things. Uh, He's worried about somebody else taking away from his authority. And unfortunately, I have to confess that quite often I'm a lot more like Diotrephes than I am like Gaius. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm focusing on me first and, and, and what can give me attention and what can give me glory, making that first and foremost and, and not always receiving others that are out there. But we need to make sure that we, we don't have that attitude. In fact, this is a case where we want to have exactly the opposite attitude. Because if we take a look at Demetrius, we can see that he is um, completely the opposite uh, of what we read about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told that we should look out not for our own interests, but for the interests of others. And Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had, be- and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Demetrius is exactly the opposite of what Jesus, what we're called to do in following Jesus, right? We're told that Jesus, who is the preeminent one, right? He's the one who is to be number one. He is the one who is to be glorified. You know, he's the one who, who occupied that position, but willingly left his, his place in heaven to take on human flesh and to become obedient, becomes a, a servant. Here's the creator of the universe, becomes a servant, becomes a slave, and allows himself to be executed, put to death in the most miserable way on a cross. And why did he do that? Because he, the perfect son of God, was dying to pay for the sin of man. He was dying to pay for our sins. He didn't have to do that, but he willingly did so. And our call today, if we're going to follow anybody, we need to follow Jesus. We can't kill ourselves or die for others in that sense because we're not perfect, but he died for you. And I want to encourage you, if you've never come to that place where you have have in, in repentance and faith, put your trust in Christ and realize that he died for you, then today needs to be the day that you do that. Today needs to be the day that you call upon him. Today needs to be the day that, that you, you find that, that faith in him and, and, and be converted and realize that you can be numbered among those who will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the good glory of God the Father and in so doing can experience the joy and the blessing and the abundant life that he came to give us. And then we can say, yes, we can be blessed in every way. We can follow after the truth and realize that uh, God has great things in store for us when we do follow after him. So Demetrius, uh, I'm sorry, Diotrephes is the opposite of, of, of uh, Jesus in every way. I think I might have said Demetrius earlier. But Diotrephes is the opposite of Jesus in every way. But we need to turn to, to, to Jesus, ultimately following him with the same mindset of putting others ahead of ourselves. We don't see that in, in Diotrephes. And we don't know what happened historically. But uh, eventually we're sure that John dealt with the issue, right? <laughs> eventually we're sure that uh, he was, was put in his place. And it's at that point now that, that we hit that topic sentence of Sir John. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Be like Gaius, generous, hospitable. Be not like Diotrephes, self-centered, egotistical, authoritative, And then there's a third character mentioned very briefly in verse 12. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, 
even the truth itself, and we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. We don't know anything about this Demetrius. There's some other Demetriuses mentioned in there, um, but they're not the same one based upon the, the context of those other verses. Um, it's possible that Demetrius was the one who was delivering this letter to Gaius. It's possible that Demetrius had tried to bring a letter to um, Diotrephes in the past that was shut, sent away and went back <laughs> and then came with this letter to, to, to that. That's, that's a good possibility there. But notice the testimony about him, and I call him just kind of dependable Demetrius because everyone speaks well of him. In fact, there's three testimonies. Everyone speaks well of him. The truth itself speaks well of him. And we personally speak well of him. So he's got this great reputation out there. And, and we should strive to be people of, of good reputation, like a Demetrius, where people think, say, say good things about you. Where, where people say, you know, speak well of you in that regard. Um, it's often said it would be interesting if you could, uh, you know, have your funeral before you died and hear what everybody had to say about you. <laughs> Hopefully it would be interesting, you know, to hear all those good things. Because oftentimes we don't, we don't hear good things uh, about us. Um, but, but having a reputation of being a, a dependable person, of having something good, you know, there's, there's things that, that we would want to copy in that. I, I do think of a, of a gentleman, um, he was one of the, the life group leaders in a, another church we attended several years ago, and um, he was being transferred, he was moving to, to Texas, and it was a big loss for our group, you know, we, we hated to see him go. And, um, and I remember the, the going away party for him, and uh, people were talking about him, saying all the good things about that. And something was said about him that I was really impressed by. They said that whenever you talked to him, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the room. Whenever you talked to him, he made you feel like he was the most important person in the room. And I thought, man, I would love that to be said about me. I haven't done very much with that, however. <laughs> I'm afraid that I don't, I don't think about that as often. I'm easily distracted by other things going on around me. But, you know, that's a great testimony about that, that man. And now, you know, 15, 16, 17 years later, I still remember that testimony. And when it says imitate what's good, I want to imitate that, you know. And i got to remind myself of that whenever I'm having a meeting with people or talking with somebody or on the phone or whatever it may be. It can be so easy to be, to be distracted. I remember when, when our, our son Josh, our, our, um, uh, when he was very young, um, you know, he would be sitting on the couch with me, and I'm watching TV, you know, and he'd be talking, you know how kids talk, you know, and uh, he'd be talking, and I'd be kind of watching the TV, watching the news, watching sports or whatever, and every once in a while, he would reach up, he would kind of come over, and he would put his hands on my face. And turn my face to him. <laughs> turn my face up. So I was looking at him. And that was quite a message I got saying, you know what? If I'm watching TV and listening to him talk, he doesn't think I'm paying attention to him. And honestly, I probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but it really, you know, that got my attention. I think of that. I think of that gentleman with that testimony. I think that's what I want to be. I want to follow that. And so when you're thinking about this whole principle of who are you imitating, you know, we're all following somebody. We're all imitating other people in some sense. And we need to make sure that we are surrounding ourselves and focusing on the right things. Because if you spend a lot of time around diatrophies, you're going to likewise become self-centered. You spend a lot of time around Demetrius, around Gaius, you're going to become other-centered. And so the real challenge for all of this is to say, well, who are we following? And that following may be who we spend time with and hang out with. And that following may be all the other places that we follow, which is not surprising that that's a term that we have when it comes to following other people on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on any number of other places there that we follow. Uh, what about the other the, the news that we follow, all that kind of stuff? Who are you following in that? And are the people that you're following there promoting the truth, helping you grow in your commitment to the truth, 
or are they kind of tearing it down? Are they creating more of an antagonistic culture for you? So we need to examine ourselves and see how, what are we following? What are we watching? What are we allowing to influence our lives? And so we are reminded, don't imitate what's evil. Imitate what's good. Remember, the one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. The letter closes with a, a general uh, exit saying, I have a lot of things to write about. Man, <laughs> I can just imagine based upon what he's hearing. But I don't want to put it on pen and ink, okay? Uh, I'm going to see you soon. We'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings and greet the friends by name. But in Third John, we have uh, John addressing a problem in the church, a problem of somebody who has given himself a preeminent place, uh, who needs to be humbled. We also thankfully have examples of, of Gaius and of Demetrius that are good examples for us to follow. So as you think about your, your life and what you, who you spend time with and what you spend time emulating, you know, are there good people out there? Are there good ones around you that you're focusing on, you're going to draw your attention to? And remember, too, that you may be looking to them, but there are people looking at you as well, right? Like father, like son, <laughs> like, like dorm mate, like, you know, co-dorm mate, right? Um, like other people around you at work, like other people that are there. And if they're imitating you, do you want them to be imitating what's good? If your kids grow up to be just like you and follow after you, do you want that to be the case? Uh, if, if your people around you are you're influencing, you're influencing in a positive way, let's examine ourselves and make sure we have that influence going the right direction. Ultimately, uh, if we want to do what is really good and follow what is good, we need to put our faith and our trust in the truth. And so if you are here today and have yet to put your trust in Christ as Savior, if you're listening at home or watching this later in the week, and you would look at your life and say, I can't know, I don't know for certain that if I were to die today, I'd go to be with the Lord. I don't know for certain that because I put my faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone that I have everlasting life. That's the most important question you're ever going to have to answer in life, right? Make sure you, 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 you know where you're going. And the good news is we can know, right? Hope you know that. And if you're a follower of Christ today, um, not only be a follower of Christ, be be a follower of what is good as well. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we uh, give you thanks and glory for uh, the opportunity to spend time worshiping you, to spend time in your word and studying it and hearing it, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would be at work in our hearts and our lives to help us to truly yield ourselves to you. We thank you for this, this short book, this little 15 verses that are here that, that, that pack quite a bit of a, a powerful punch for us as we consider that topic sentence. Let us not imitate what is evil. Let us be imitators of what is good. Let us follow and pursue the things that pertain to righteousness. And let us have a testimony that we are dedicated to following the truth. And for that, we'll give you praise and give you glory. Lord, as we have a, a few moments to sing and to praise you, Lord, use this time for us to do some self-focus, some introspective, an introspection to see what we may need to do differently in the week that lies ahead on the basis of what we've heard from your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.